Welcome back to the Facts About PACS. I'm Michaela Isler, NABPACS Executive Director, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Adam Belmar. Wouldn't miss it for the world. You know, Michaela, since the pandemic, I have found myself, this is getting a little bit personal, but I feel crushed under the weight of all of my streaming subscriptions. They multiply faster than my socks get lost in the laundry. Oh, I know. I mean, between Netflix, Hulu, Paramount, Peacock, HBO Max, the list really does go on and on, right? Exactly. And when it comes time to bite the bullet and pare back that thorny mess, well, it's not as easy as it should be. Well, no one wants to lose their favorite channel, Adam. I know I don't. And it got me thinking, Michaela, that everyone in the PAC community can relate in more ways than one. So true. And, you know, reigning in candidate contributions can be another vexing challenge. What's a PAC professional to do? Well, coming up in a minute, the top five process tips for recalibrating your candidate contribution criteria with our guest, Christine Kilbride. But first, we would be nowhere without NAPPA activities, Michaela. And we've got a whole lot of them coming up. First one I want to flag for folks is a meet and greet coming up on May 26th that we are hosting along with BIPAC. Tell everyone about that, Michaela. Yeah, so Adam Gray is running in the California 13 open seat. He is currently serving in the state of California Assembly, has been really bipartisan, has a history of working across the aisle. He's part of the Problem Solvers Caucus in California. Just another great opportunity for the business PAC community to come together and meet yet another pro-business Democrat. And on top of that, as we look into the month of June, NAPAC is back with some very important roundtables. Again, the 14th of June. What can you tell people about that one, Michaela? So we really started these virtual roundtables during the pandemic as an opportunity for our members to come together based on the type of pack that they are. So we do three different roundtables, one just for corporations one for associations with corporate members and then associations with individual members because they really are all structured so differently. And the issues that they're facing and the challenges that they're up against really are unique to the way their organizations are set up. So this is a great opportunity just to come with good questions, other ideas and suggestions, and just really have an open dialogue. These are wildly popular, and there's plenty of time to get yourself registered. So make sure that you're on the docket for June 14th. Now, coming up a little bit later in June, we've got a very important webinar for everyone in our community on the topic of getting out the vote and election-related activities. Tell us what's going on at 1 p.m. on June 21st. So uh, kind of continuing on with our theme, uh, we did just have David Wasserman, as you know, come and talk about sort of the landscape with all of the very important races coming down the pike with primaries heating up uh, as we march towards that general election. So we felt like this would be a good time for folks to really be thinking through exactly what, when, how, what they're saying about the elections to their employees, to their member organizations, and and what's really resonating. So we'll have a, a really great panel of experts to talk about the right messaging at this time. If it works, do it again. That's our philosophy in life at NABPAC. And that means that back in person, a wild success at NABPAC's offices is happening again. It's going to be a hell of an event. 20th of July at noon, sharp, be there, diversifying your pack for future success. 
with Tracy J. Edmonds, Kevin Cameron, and John Mason. Everybody in our community knows the NABPAC DE&I Task Force. What to expect for this one, Michaela? Well, we'll come together again for lunch. Uh, you know, I think everyone was just so excited to be back together a few weeks ago. So we felt like before everybody goes off on their summer breaks, maybe in August, we'd get back together for lunch and just have a panel discussion about how PACs are diversifying right now to attract a broader range of members. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the work NAPAC has been doing to support our members, helping build that pipeline. Our members will leave with some actionable steps and possibly a new way of thinking about diversity. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAP activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode is brought to you by Quorum, the leader in public affairs software, has acquired the leading PAC management solution, CisionPAC. Together, Quorum and Cision Pack's team are building Quorum Pack, a new and modern pack management solution to help pack managers collect donations, increase pack participation, and file with ease. Cision Pack's relationship and experience, combined with Quorum's proven ability to create best in class tools public affairs professionals love, will allow them to create a modern software that is trustworthy, innovative, and integrated. Thank you, Adam, and thanks to Quorum for their continued support of this podcast and NAPAC. And joining us now for her second appearance as guest on the number one pack podcast in America is Christine Kilbride. Welcome back to the show, Christine. Thanks, Michaela. I'm a second time guest and a long time listener of the number one pack podcast. I love the way that that rolls off your tongue. And everybody, Christine is the principal at Kilbride Public Affairs, KPA for short, a firm that offers a range of consulting and management services, all designed to help your political program reach its potential. And today... She's giving it away for free. Thanks, Christine. We're lucky to have you. So let's just jump right in. Does Adam's example of too many streaming subscriptions hold water when it comes to PAC contributions? And I guess in your experience, where do practitioners need to start when it's time for a recalibration of their PAC's candidate contribution criteria? Definitely the streaming subscriptions hold water. I think we find that sometimes we're giving to this candidate and that candidate. And then at the end of a quarter or a cycle, you wonder, how did we end up giving to so many candidates? And could we have used that in a better way? This exercise that I've come up with really is one that can work for any size of pack. And you just need to refocus on who you're contributing to and what are the goals, the mission. Almost every PAC has criteria selection points in their bylaws on what candidates you can and can't select. And if you don't, you should. That's kind of how this all came about was showing that we need to spend better you know, as a producer, I am often charged with making value judgments about what elements we have that are the most compelling, Christine. And that is always the case that everyone has to justify at some later time of how we got here, how we got to this candidate and prioritize that person. And your process, and that's really what it is, is a bit of art and a bit of science, but you map it the whole way. But you really start with some of the fundamentals. Start taking us through that. It all kind of starts out with what is the mission of your PAC, what are your goals, and what are your criteria points for giving to a candidate. Don't allow the people who are 
the decision makers, those who are helping you in this process to bring in any lists, like congressional directories should not be open at this time in this exercise. And so you ask them, okay, we're going to go to constituent connection. You've got facilities in Oklahoma. Who has a constituent connection? You put them up there. Go through that with every bucket, financial services, whatever your issues are, whatever you decide your buckets are. Those are the people that are coming top of mind. They're important to you because they're right there. Nobody needs a list to remember who these people are. These are kind of what I would consider your A candidates. They come right off the top of your head and you can remember them. Go back through another round, making sure you didn't miss anybody. Those people might be kind of secondary B candidates. And then you say, okay, now you can bring out your list. Bring out the congressional directories and who did you forget? Those who aren't top of mind, I consider C candidates. Like they're important. Oh yeah, we really should be supporting these candidates. They're just not really key to your mission and goals. So when that whole exercise is done, you take all the post-it notes off the wall and, and pop them all into an Excel spreadsheets. So you give points. Let's say that you want to weight leadership or up-and-comers or whatever your issues are. You want to weight those. So you maybe give it, okay, so anybody who falls in that bucket gets five points. And then everybody's going to have a score at the end. You're going to add up all the points that they receive for being in the different buckets. Now, if you wanted to get a little bit more intense and you know how I, I was talking about the A's and the B's and C's, if they were in your kind of first category of your A's that came top of mind, maybe you give them an extra point for being an A. You're going to get a number total at the end and you're going to decide, okay, let's say candidates with 15 to 20 points are going to fall within your max out category. People within this point range will get three to 5,000. And then the lower range, you could give them like one to $2,000. So that's the exercise. It gives you the big picture of where do people fall within what's important to you and what are your goals? This is very black and white. And we know that we don't work in a black and white system. Things are gray. Sometimes, you know, these relationships come up or, you know, like, oh, well, I know they only ranked as like a C, but you know, we've had this relationship with them forever and we really should bump them up to at least a B. That's fine. What this exercise is there for is to help you get a bigger picture of are we missing people we should be supporting or are we supporting people that don't even fall on these lists? And so it's really just a way to kind of let everybody take a step back and reconsider where you've been giving and how you've been doing that. So at this point in your system, Christine, folks need to be really what you're saying, driving towards ranking or prioritization system for all of the considered candidates once they level set. Right. And I think that people get really scared of ranking people. But what this does, this ranking system allows you to take a look at a candidate and say, well, maybe they aren't as important to us as we thought they were. And, you know, we often find ourselves doing the, well, we've always given to this candidate. We have to give to them again. Well, maybe not. That is exactly the conversation I had about Hulu with my 17-year-old. I didn't think it was getting the job done. He had to make the case for why we had to keep contributing to the Hulu fund. And I'm proud to say that I think I won out on that one. But then again, they creep back in, don't they, Christine? They do. They do. <laughs> Christine, once you once the big picture is established, is that the time to then apply the overlay of the corporate values and social issues? 
Right. It is. Then that's just one extra layer. You, you've at least got the base with your ranking system. And then whether those candidates then fall within whatever the values are that you need to focus on, on social issues, you've at least got the base to start from and you can use it there. So Christine, you, you know, this process that you're outlining for us, it really does focus the mind on the must-haves and the nice-to-haves. And that's really what we're talking about here, whether it is how much money we have to spend or how we prioritize the distribution to the candidates that really do matter and impact the issues most important to our enterprise. What is the value of keeping all of these underlying assessments? And why is it so important over years and to build institutional knowledge that you do this? Is it about seeing trends? You can see trends over time. I think really it's a great way to have kind of backup for anybody. I mean, I think the other reason, you know, have this exercise in place is just to help rein in some of the overspending that can happen because of friendships and relationships. And we all know how important friendships and relationships are on the Hill and in politics, and that's fine. But sometimes they can be a little unnecessary. Some of the spending can be unnecessary. You know, Christine, you've given our listeners a lot to think about. And I do think that taking the time to sit down and go through your mission, your goals, your contribution criteria, this is a really good time to start thinking about that. I know we're on the tail end of the two-year cycle, but, you know, there's still a lot of giving to do the rest of this year, but also really kind of level setting as we move into the, the new election cycle, truthfully. It just takes a lot of time and planning. It's not rocket science, but you just got to sit down and go through the exercise. KPA's Christine Kilbride, thank you for joining us again on the podcast. So great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing the show. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About Packs podcast.